Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, hey, listeners, just a heads up. Uh, at the end of this episode, once we finish recapping the episode of the show, we're going to get into some season two production news that some people might consider a spoiler. So if you're the sort of person that wants to avoid all of that, then just stop listening when we finish recapping the episode. We'll let you know when that is, so no need to worry about it. Hello, and welcome to Out of the Woods. My name is Justin, and his name is Matthew. Yes, it is. And on this show, we are recapping, as the title might imply, Yellow Jackets. A rather excellent show. And on this episode, we are doing episode 8, Flight of the Bumblebee. That should be fun. Uh, been a bit of a longer than expected absence. Sorry about that, guys. But, you know, life does get in the way. And, uh, yeah, Matthew, how are you feeling this evening? Fantastic. I also feel like I should add that there's a certain element of verbosity implied in the synopsis of our podcast. So <laughs> we should mention that it is the antepenultimate episode yes, of exactly. the series. Oh, great word, antepenultimate. It is the antepenultimate episode it of the series. It is the third last. The third last. And it is a really good episode that I'm very excited to be getting into. Kind of uh, sad about the lack of actual flight of the Bumblebee music. <laughs> I mean, I suppose you could hum it. You can do whatever you want when you're watching it. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into that, but I think the title's a bit on the nose. You know, last week's episode, No Compass, really good title. Well, it will be not as great a title, but that's not important because it's still a great episode. Uh, yeah, this evening we were briefly hanging out in a bar with our other friend and playing some Ghosts and Goblins. A game I'd never encountered before. Neither had I. Games from the past were very hard. Yeah. Of course, they were designed to be that way so they could bilk more money out of unsuspecting schoolchildren. Yep. 50 cents at a time or whatever. Yeah, that was fun. And I uh, showed you some I think you should leave sketch on YouTube, which you felt kind of ambivalent about, mm. which is fair. Uh, yeah, and now, and yeah, now we're going to get into Flight of the Bumblebee, written by Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson, Cameron Brent Johnson, and Liz Fang, directed by Ariel Kleiman, who is an Aussie. Yay, shout out. This episode is really fucking good. <laughs> I think I said that last week's was the best one since the first two episodes. I think this is even this is the new one that is the best one since the first two episodes. It's so good. It's such a great episode that every aspect of it communicates. Holy crap, shit is getting real with one of the most heartbreaking endings of any episode, which oh, we'll get to that and I'll be very cringy about it. But You're yeah. going to do that sort of thing every episode now, are you? Yeah, I mean... It's a good show, you know? But yes, <laughs> yes, I am going to do that sort of thing every episode. Anyway, oh, the opening of this episode is fucking amazing and absolutely heart-wrenching. Mournful strings and electronic music is playing as Ty, still in the dark forest, miserably yet stoically lights a funeral pyre for her girlfriend. Which, that's kind of her all over, no matter how horrible she's feeling, she always feels like she has to keep it together. Van is lying motionless on the wood, while the others are standing around awkwardly, distraughtly. Ty is close to breaking down. A close-up on Van's body, with her half of her face being absolutely fucking mauled, a really horrifying scar. She looked really fucking bad, didn't she? Yeah, she looked in a bad way. I don't... Oh, it's so fucked. I, 
on some level don't blame them for thinking that she was dead even though ah let me we'll get to that the scene then shifts to a strange pov shot facing the four girls from below who appear wreathed with a strange light it's a bit distorted but if you really look at it all four are openly weeping fuck me I have a cross off that bingo square early listeners put a pin in the fact that I have a note about this scene when we finally do our episode on theories and season two predictions I think this is a scene that the show will if I'm right I think it will come back to this scene in a way like we'll run out of pins <laughs> gonna end up looking like pinhead of Hellraiser fame <laughs> god that's a great fucking movie oh who did write that crossover Misty is definitely the person that opens the puzzle box <laughs> is, yeah anyway um Van's eyelids flutter we cut to the same shot but with no faces their faces are distorted and mari notices that van is fucking alive jesus christ did you not check her pulse evidently not <laughs> i mean I'll, like misty akila you're supposed to be the, the smart ones what do you i mean sometimes people's pulses can be depressed when they've like lost a lot of blood or whatever you know, it, you know it's not that big a deal anyway well in saying that her pulse might have been subdued or she might have actually died and come back to life. Mm. As people do sometimes. Plus, there's all sorts of mystical shit going on around here. Well, we'll get into that. Ty starts going, no, no, and pushes her off the funeral pyre. Ouch. And stop, drop, and rolls her until her pantos that were on fire are extinguished. Thank God. It's <laughs> like, oh, great. Now I have some burns to go with my horrific facial injury. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Van coughs and moans. Akila and Ty support her head. And she goes, Really? Fire? <laughs> yeah. Call back, of course, to episode two with her almost burning to death a previous time. She really just, you know, life keeps bowling her wobbly ones. What are the chances she'll get unlucky a third time? <laughs> I mean, I can actually sort of quantify the chances, <laughs> but we will get more into that at the end of the episode. Avan used what could well have been her last breath to make a snarky comment. I fucking love her. Credits. We go to credits, and then after them we cut to a younger Laura Lee, just just still played by Jane Widdop, which makes sense. Uh, they have a very youthful, you know, face and demeanor. Uh, Absent-mindedly chilling on the edge of a pool. A bunch of young people are splashing about and having fun at the Mary Magdalene summer camp. <laughs> Now, you just watched Jesus Christ Superstar. I did. Stand so, up, quote, Judas calling Jesus a jaded mandarin. <laughs> I just could have, I was like, am I hearing this shit right? Did he I, just say that? I looked it up and he did. And I know, thanks a, for that. <laughs> a mandarin was an official position in Chinese society, a like actuary or functionary or business person or government post holder. So he's essentially calling him a politicking politician. Uh -huh. Of course, but then raises the other history that a person in 32 AD Palestine is very unlikely to have heard of the intricate workings of Chinese society. Yeah, you're right. It was well before the time of but, the interwebs. Yes, but there is a, you know, literature. There, there is a extremely anachronistic bent to that play at the best of times. That's not that weird. I mean, yeah. Anyway, uh, I learned this from the other Yellow Jackets podcast, Blood Hive. Shout out. Great podcast. Um, in Jesus Christ Superstar and in most depictions, Mary Magdalene is referred to as a sex worker, but she actually wasn't. In reality, she was a rich patron of Jesus. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah, fun fact. So, yeah. Anyway. Not, Paid a wicked tire, though, I imagine. <laughs> I have to imagine so. 
Yeah, yeah. So when I learned that information, it's actually not that weird that they named it the Mary Magdalene Summer Camp. So yeah, interesting. Some childos are doing a rhyming game while playing tea cake with each other that reminded me of Rod and Todd Flanders from The Simpsons in the episode where Bart goes to stay with them. And they're like, down in my heart, down in my heart. To stay. And if the devil doesn't, doesn't like it, it he can, can say it on attack. Say it on attack. <laughs> you know, I make fun of them. That's fun as fuck to sing. <laughs> maybe maybe the Christians are onto something. Maybe I should join up. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Enough, you know, enough discussion of such things. Laura Lee takes a dip in the shallow end, as it were, to quote DeWood Warnsby, shout out, and bumps her head on the bottom of the pool. Ugh, it looks really fucking gnarly. This was a horrible scene. Yeah, heads do ooze a bit. Ugh. Good Just point. a quite yellow beard. He simply did not like the film. Yeah, and a cool whispery music plays as the slow motion shot of Laura Lee doming off the bottom of the pool. Uh, Matthew, why do you think she did this? By accident or on purpose? Was it a test of faith or was it so that that hot lifeguard would resuscitate her? She was probably just really stoned and forgot which end of the pool was the deep end. Oh, I see that. <laughs> Laura Lee seems very straight-edged to me. Oh, man. That... Yeah, real stoned on those meds, they give it a suppressor psychotic tendency. So. <laughs> okay, so you think Jessalyn Collins lot? Hey, just interesting. speculation on my part there. Inter <laughs> fucking interesting. <laughs> Let's Put a pin in all of those things too. But yeah, um, Laura Lee. Run out of pins, man. We we it's have a finite amount of pins. We can put in things. Where we're going, we won't need pins. Oh, let's fucking hope so. But anyway, Laura Lee, Laura Lee. Um, interesting action on her part. I don't know if it was on purpose or not. So yeah, cut to her being resuscitated by a lifeguard, a handsome and muscular lifeguard, and she's like, "You saved me." He's like, "No, Laura Lee, I didn't save you. He did." Pan up to the clouds is like. Music is playing very camp. The The tone of the scene is very camp, you know, very similar to a Psycho Beach Party, one might say, mm. which will be important later. And it's almost a Todd Salons-esque, almost like satirical. We'll get more into this later, but you could argue it's a little bit mean-spirited, but, you know, I we'll hash that out later. Cut to 96 timeline. Laura Lee is sitting on the porch and says, presumably to God, please show me a sign. A bird lands next to her, and that's all she needs. She's like, yep, yep, that means that I am supposed to do a certain thing I do. Uh, Laura Lee reaches out her hand to the bird, but the bird then flies away. Maybe that was part of the sign, Laura Lee. Lottie wanders over and sits down beside her and says, do you think they're okay? Uh, you tell me, psychic girl. I should be asking you that. And then Laura Lee says, they're in God's hands now. All we can do is have faith. And yeah, tough situation to be in. And all you can do is wait. Cut to modern Shauna, wearing a rather lovely house gown. I would, I would totally wear that. Walking into the kitchen to find Callie singing with her laptop. And Matthew, and viewers, big bombshell coming at you. I really sympathise with Callie in this scene. I know, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, after my proven track record of thinking that she sucks, that's a pretty dramatic swerve, but I call it like I see it. She's very understandable and sympathetic in this scene. Shauna says that she thought that Callie was at Ilana's and she found Adam's ID card. Fuck, these people are terrible at having affairs. Remember the David Mitchell sketch about, like, we have to catch the mysterious identity killer, so named because he leaves copies of his identity at every crime scene. <laughs> He's always one step ahead. You would have thought it wouldn't be very mysterious, <laughs> I think is the thing. 
Well, quite. <laughs> and therein lies the jokety joke. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, it was this guy. Yeah. Let's go arrest him. And they did it on sketch that is the exact opposite to that, that is like caveman CSI. It's like, right, we think that Oog has been clubbed in the end with a big rock. We can narrow down the time to sometime between now and the dawn of time. <laughs> that so reminds me of the Saturday Morning Great Serial comic that was like uh, two cavemen, and one of them is like, this bad stick. And the other one is like, what if we say good stick? <laughs> and the caption the invention is... Invention of capitalism. The invention of marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah, and... Callie is like, you're having him over now? Which, yeah, valid complaint. That's a bit weird. Why did you just decide that he could come inside our house right under Dad's nose? Phrasing? Phrasing? Yeah. <laughs> I reckon. And please don't explain to me how something usually kept in a man's pants ended up on the floor of our living room, because that's just something I don't want to hear. Shauna says that she is sorry, but she's like, let's not act like your dad is some innocent victim, okay? She points out that Callie judged her for looking the other way, and now she judges her for doing something about it. Yeah, I don't think that's actually irrational, Shauna. And then Callie is like, Mom, you don't even fucking know him. Yes, thank you. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but thank God for Callie. <laughs> she thoroughly unsucks in this scene. Shauna says that it's not that complicated. He's a starving artist, not an axe murderer. And he's not starving. He has a successful auto repair shop. He's, he's a well-fed artist. I mean, yeah. in fairness, I feel like Calling yourself an artist or writer despite having a full-time other job is extremely something that I do. So, like, you know, fair. He's not even, like, you level emaciated. <laughs> no, I don't think Shauna would be into him. She's into, with Adam Jeff, she's more into buff guys. She's not into a, to quote, a friend of mine. She's only into guys who look like they're dying of consumption. I thought you were going to say something about look like a sculpture made of lampposts. <laughs> I don't think she's into insanely tall guys. Callie says that she can't find Adam online. He has no website, no self-promo. Very odd for an artist. And he's like, what if he's conning you, Mom? Sleeping with a yellow jacket so he can turn around and sell the story. Like, who knows what he wants? This is very valid advice, even if it makes Shauna feel insecure. Like, her whole thing ever since she was a child was, like, feeling insecurity about being in Jackie's shadow, being in other shadows, and thinking that she herself wasn't good enough, and that, like, Nobody could ever actually be genuinely attracted to her. So, like, this really riled her. And she's like, he wants me, Callie, okay? I know that is impossible for you to understand, but I am what he wants. Callie interrupts to say that she's late. For whom? Shauna then rings up Pratt, pretending to be Sandra Norberg from the Yukon MFA Arts Program. She has a hilarious, oh, okay, expression when this seemingly works, as if she didn't expect it to work. <laughs> that meme, uh, when you lie on the job application, but you get the job anyway. Uh, she asked to see Adam's transcript, but it not exist. Dun dun dun! Who would have thought that the world's most suspicious man was suspicious? Jeff suddenly appears, and she hastily closes the window, and he gives Shauna a gift, very excitedly. It is a yellow dress, and although I have limited expertise in such matters, it doesn't appear very fasho to me. You did, you, did you also not think it looked super good? Yeah, no, it was pretty yago. Yeah, yeah, good word, I'll go. And she's like, this is an anniversary present. You are three months and my entire personality off. Which, lol. <laughs> uh, apparently the reunion is tomorrow, and uh, Jeff tells Shauna that she married into homecoming royalty. Side note, I love that Jeff's girlfriend and side piece were both missing and presumed dead, and he went to homecoming anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking legend. What a guy. We'll, we'll just also give you the homecoming queen crown, because she's probably dead, you know. 
You can just hang no, on to this. No, 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 no. What happened? What, I bet Ali, Ali made it all about her. And like wanted out and was like, I'm going to accept this. And lo- and everybody was like s- thinking privately being annoyed by it. They were like, uh, you know, she will just let her do it. So she's not even more annoying about it. Anyway. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. Blah, blah, blah. Jeff is like, you're going to be turning heads there anyway. That is just fine with me. Oh, cute. Also, yeah, well, she definitely will be turning heads, but probably not for the reason that you think. Shauna seems, and also because she's really gorgeous, because she is really gorgeous, but you know what I mean. Shauna seems conflicted by this. And that is where we leave that scene. Cut to the past. Travis is futzing around with some playing cards. Nat walks in and informs him that there are no queens in that deck. How interesting. Nat suggests Travis go hunting with her. He responds that she should go alone. She is better at it anyway. An attempt at humility from him comes across as sullen. We've all been there. Mazzy stars Fade Into You starts playing. Great fucking song. Uh, Matthew, what did you think of this song? It's one that goes, Fade Into You. Well, thank you for clarifying, but still not much. <laughs> God, that's, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and we come from that to Modern Nat doing her eye makeup. She looks cool. And drinking scotch straight from the bottle. Well, we've all been there. Yeah. She then smells her sheet weirdly. She clearly misses Kevin and says fuck you to him in his absence. She is texting someone, a drug dealer. And we cut back to the past. Nat stumbles upon Coach Ben, chilling by the river, dipping his remaining foot in the water. Uh, just to clarify, Lake Sharks, is the Lake Shark bit old yet? Or is there some still some tread left on the tire? I think there's tread. <laughs> well then, fucking careful, Coach Ben. You don't want to lose your other leg. Yeah. Wouldn't you'd be up Shit Creek? God, you'd just be like, you know, livid at the irony there. Reminds me of the bit in The Witcher 3 where you can break Dijkstra's other leg. <laughs> yeah. It brought me other leg, you swatty sweat eyed cunt. Doesn't he say something like, oh, well, it, it seemed like rude to break the same one again. <laughs> Whenever I think someone's saying something really obvious, always on my head go, regular fucking master sleuth you are. Any other stunning observations you want to grace us with the current year, name and redeeming his bloody king. Yeah. On our Witcher 3 podcast, you guys are going to love all my impressions of the characters. Like, random peasant number 37... We gotta kill the lesson, Geralt. He's horrible. He's killing everyone over here. Rain, rain, oh. rain. I like rain. Pam, pam, pam. Oh. <laughs> yep, them's the sound. I'm probably gonna cut most of this out. Anyway, fucking Nat stumbles upon Coach Ben. Blah blah blah. And she asks him, "So, how'd you convince Misty to go?" He didn't have to. She beat him to the punch. And Nat is like, "Dumped by Misty Quigley. That's rough, man." Ouch. Yeah, done by the most desperate person on Quite. the not-island. <laughs> Quite. He specifies that they were never actually dot-dot-dot. Nat says, I'm pretty sure she's not your type. She casually says, you like guys, right? And he's all like, what the hell, Nat? How'd you know? In support of her hypothesis, she says that you never look at her boobs. Okay, I do want to point out that it is in fact possible for an adult heterosexual man to live with and look after teenage girls to whom he is not related and not look at their bazongos. Even if they're not in that exact context, it's still possible for a heterosexual male to not just creepily stare at ladies' indeed, breasts. Indeed, particularly teenage ones. Anyway, but yeah, but that's beside the point. Nat thinks it is cool that he is gay. 
and asks if he has a dude friend. Coach Ben says that he did. Oh. Paul, who is a writer, who wanted Coach Ben to move with him to the city, to really be with him. But if you lost him, you're afraid you'd have nothing left. Oh, man. That's some real shit. Also, this adds some further context onto why Coach had all those condoms to get to Travis. Because mm. he'd just broken up with his dudes. He was ready to absolutely skank it up in Seattle. <laughs> it's like bang lots of dudes underneath the Space Needle or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know any other Seattle. Show me your Space Needles. I believe we have a couple of listeners in that fair city. So uh, if you want to chime in and let us know some other landmarks Coach Ben could have gay sex under toward or through let us know we'll have a good euphemism <laughs> anyway nat is like you don't think that travis is gay do you well i i love i sincerely love that nat is like the problem could not possibly conceivably be me it has to be on his end mm-hmm. i love that confidence it's so great she informs ben that they tried to you know and he couldn't you know ben points out that's a very common phenomenon which it is he probably just got nervous. And then he's all like, I've seen the way that kid looks at you. He's in pretty deep. Nat gives him a phrasing expression. And then he's like, I just mean, don't make too big a deal out of it. I'm sure he'll be happy to get another chance if you want to give him one. I love this little exchange. It's such a, such a cute little scene. I, I love their friendship. I love a nice, normal, healthy, intergenerational friendship. You got to take those where you can in this show. Uh, she then asks that, she not tell anyone else that he is gay, and she promises not to. Cute scene. Talking of gay things, cut to Ty helping Van walk through the forest with the rest of them as well. Her face is bandaged up in cloth rags. She's clearly in pretty bad shape. Fuck, this scene is intense. Ty keeps reassuring her, saying that they'll be okay. Misty says that when they get back, they're going to need sterile water and thread to stitch up her face. Van says, going to try and do face half-missing voice. No! leave me <laughs> that was terrible I'm sorry Ty refuses to consider this possibility Ty says that they're almost there Van says with some difficulty what um go I guess that's why Lefusen is getting paid the big bucks and I'm not uh, Ty tells them to go back to the cabin as fast as they can and that the two of them will be right behind them Van falls to the ground Ty tries to support her she gasps in pain oh fucking hell this scene Cut to the present. Jessica be eating some scrambos and informs Misty, who is feeding Caligula, a very beautiful parrot, that her phone is ringing. Uh, Matthew, these didn't look like very appetizing scrambled eggs. No, they looked overcooked and underseasoned. Yeah, I don't think that Misty's time preparing human flesh left her with many good culinary skills. No. God, I hope they've at least found an oregano bush. <laughs> like, if, I, if we're ever trapped in a survival situation, you have to eat me. That's fine, but season me properly. God, you know? <laughs> Just go to the local um, salt refinery and, exactly. you know, get, the, yeah. get some... Find a salt, yeah. Find a salt lick. ...things to make me taste good. Exactly. I mean, not that I'd be that appetizing anyway. It'd be like eating a kipper the size of a dolphin. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Plenty of bones. Ugh, horrible. Jessica informs Misty, who is feeding Caligula, a very beautiful parrot indeed, that her phone is ringing. It isn't, actually. Nat's phone is ringing, because Misty is spying on Nat through her hidden owl cam. Jessica is unsurprised that Misty is spying on her friend, because, duh. I like that uh, we see Nat in the video. She holds her coke up to the light. Matthew, is that a thing actual drogos do to, like, make sure it's good quality, like, hold up to the light? I mean, I'm really not sure. Yeah, no. I I figured you've watched more, like, you know, Animal Kingdom than I, so you might have some idea. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I don't remember any of them holding their coke up to the light to be like, oh, is this good coke? I don't think you can really tell that on site, but I'm not an expert. Anyway, Misty is understandably concerned by Nath being about to do some coke, so she goes, no, 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 and runs out of the basement. Cut to past Travis in front of the lake. He takes his shirt off. Jackie be looking at him and immediately stops doing so in a slightly coquettish way. As if to say, like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't checking out your abs, nothing, no. Good, uh, actually, correct usage of the word coquettish, by the way. <laughs> I'll put it with all of my other correct uses of it. <laughs> Travis is checking the fishing nets, which, good thinking. But unfortunately, there ain't shit in them. Jackie asks why Travis isn't out hunting, and he replies that he told Nat to go without him. Jackie asks if something happened, and Travis responds, Isn't it some philosopher who said anything that can happen will happen? Lol, I think you mean Murphy's Law, which is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Uh, or Sod's Law. Yeah, actually, it's, I believe actual Murphy's Law, Dr. Carl once said, is much longer and more complicated, but uh, what the fuck do I know? Is that created by the guy from Robocop? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to live in the world where it was. That would be so fucking cool. And that applies to that guy's life. A lot of shit goes wrong there. <laughs> yeah, sure does. Uh, have you seen Robocop 2? Uh, I saw like half of it. It yeah. was after Robocop 27, 2014, or yeah. whenever it came out. Yeah, I hear it's not as good original, but I still kind of want to watch it. Anyway, Jackie's like, oh, I'll just go check my old philosopher's handbook. <laughs> I love that they, they can both bond about not being particularly book smart. <laughs> anyway, uh... Also, the second uh, Robocop has him, like, uh, reprogrammed, like, he doesn't even know that he is basically... Alex Murphy or whatever, and he, right. has, he has this thing where uh, he gets reprogrammed to just go after the, like, slightest infringements, like, you know, just like... Uh, Jaywalking. Yeah, exactly. Like, parking violations and broken fire hydrants and shit like that. It's quite funny. That sounds good. We'll have to watch that. And then he, like, electrocutes himself to reset himself, which is pretty brutal. He just, like, goes out and grabs an electric fence. I once fell on an electric fence. Fun fact. Mm. How was that experience? Unpleasant. Uh, would you say it was electrifying? That was the harrowing, harrowing. Yeah. Anyway, Travis says that he thinks he really fucked things up with Nat. Jackie, with recent experiences in mind, says, Relationships are bullshit anyway. Whatever you did, she'll get over it. Let's face facts, Nat's standards are pretty low. But I love... <laughs> Even when she's trying to be nice, she's still sort of snipey. And he's all like, cool, thanks. And she's like, I didn't mean you. You're basically Brad Pitt compared to the dirtbag she usually goes for. Jackie then begins talking about a Bobby fellow that Nat was banging in his gross van. A fellow who graduated but still attends high school parties. Fuck, I've met that guy. <laughs> you know, we've, we've both met that guy. Yeah. I, f I feel like actually we can think of something that's that guy, but we're not going to say it for lack of getting sued. Travis interrupts her revelry and asking... Bobby who? Apparently, Farley. Why does it matter? And if you remember, this was the fellow who invented the derisive nickname for Travis Flex, based on him sucking his own wanger. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Travis' expression suggests that it does in fact matter, and he storms off to the cabin. Cut to modern Nat about to snort some coke off a plate. Misty then barges in and fucking bodies her. In a scene that was extremely funny and awesome. Possibly and inhales exactly, her coke exactly. for her own. Snorts her coke, lol. And now it's like, Misty, fuck? <laughs> As she smooshes it around, yelling, Don't breathe that! Don't breathe that! 
And she's all like, is that normal? <laughs> I believe it is. She's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to protect you. Don't breathe. Missy, you didn't need to snort it. You could have just smooshed it all around. She's always, she's always extra. She always goes the extra mile. And your friend who will snort your coke to prevent you from relapsing, that's a true friend. <laughs> you might not like that true friend when no. they're doing that. No, I imagine not. Yeah. Back in the past, Nat is emboldened by her discussion with Ben and says, can we talk? But Trav is already on that. He confronts her about banging this Bobby fellow. And then she's all, who told you? But he's like, you lied to me. You said that I've only been with two guys. Yeah, because I knew if that I told you about it, then you'd fucking hate me. That seems like not a great motive for lying. You know what I mean? Like, if you lie to someone, they're like, yeah, I didn't tell you the truth because you would have been mad at me. He, he might have been a little weirded out by it, but he would definitely be less angry than he is now. Potentially unpopular opinion. While I don't think Travis handled it in a great way, I think he actually has a right to be angry with her. Nat claims that it was before she even knew him. But that's not really the issue. The issue is that you lied to him. Like, I don't know. Put yourself in his shoes. Imagine if you were dating somebody and they, the whole time, were secretly having sex with a guy who was your former enemy and a massive dick and then lied to you about that fact. You would still feel a bit miffed, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, I also understand, like, to be clear, I'm not trying to put Nat on blast. I understand why she did it. I just feel like, I don't know, it's not inherently, in my opinion, ridiculous and douchey of him to be upset by this. The way he reacts definitely is. But it's a valid complaint. Yeah. Nat says that she made a mistake, and Travis is all, yeah, well, apparently so did I. And she's like, what the fuck does that mean? And he yells, what do you think it means, Nat? And then she's like, okay, I should say, Sophie Thatcher is always amazing, but she's particularly amazing in this scene, where she says, are you seriously gonna ruin this over something so fucking stupid? Apparently he is. And then she says, I guess it's a good thing you couldn't get it up. This would have been a lot harder if we'd actually fucked. Ouch. Phrasing? I don't think you can say phrasing on a thing that actually is a sexual cause. It's like, I'm going to put my penis in your vagina. Phrasing. You know, yeah, well, it, it doesn't. It can only be hard if you want to do that uh, anyway. Well, well, quite. Anyway, Nat looks out to see Jackie just standing around awkwardly, who was apparently watching this entire exchange. Not super <laughs> cool, Jax. If it had been me, I would have immediately started walking in the opposite direction like it's like when two people are fighting on the train it's like i'm just looking down at my phone and reading my phone i'm not making eye contact with either of you i couldn't possibly be involved in this so there's no need for you to yell at me i definitely don't know what's happening exactly exactly i would just immediately hightail it out of there but hey i guess she loves drama and then that is like was it you and then chuckles bitterly and is like oh <laughs> trying to do this justice fuck you jackie a great line read from Sophie Thatcher and an increasingly popular opinion in the group. Jackie seems stunned by this. I actually don't think she did it on purpose. Like, I don't think this is Jackie maliciously being like, I'm going to break up Nat and Trav so I can bang him. I think it genuinely was an attempt to make him feel better that backfired. But hey, I don't know. I'm not an expert. Cut to the present. Misty is anxiously monitoring her own heart rate. And Nat is all like, you just wasted $300 worth of blow. And then a great line reading from Christina Ricci where she's like, 
A, I will Venmo you. <laughs> and B, I couldn't just sit there and watch you destroy your life. And that is like, watch? Watch me? Uh-oh. She puts two and two together, throws Misty's owl on the floor, and discovers the hidden camera. Misty, you, you really could have spun this as like, I was concerned about you. Travis was murdered. I did this because I care. But no. She's like, you were spying on me? Is, is that what you were doing, you little pervert? Did you watch me and Kevin fuck? Yes, she did. <laughs> and then Misty's like, no, that was not the point. It was not the point, but you were happy to enjoy it regardless. Absolutely. Friends watch out for each other. And then she's like, not through hidden fucking cameras, they don't. Which, don't they? Not you. <laughs> Do you have something to tell me, Matthew? <laughs> I kind of wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> Then she's like, okay, I just saved you from relapsing. Who else was going to do that, huh, Natalie? I'm pretty much the best friend you have right now. Uh, depressingly, I think that might actually be true. And she's like, you should be thanking me. I've been working day and night on Travis's case. You have no idea the lengths that I have gone to to solve him. Did you know that Travis's bank account was emptied the day after he died? And then Nat just doesn't want to hear any of this. It's just like, stop that. I trust you. You're so full of shit. And Misty, clearly absolutely bugging out, is like, fine, next time I will just let you zonk your brains out. And she storms out of there. Oh, no, she it's what she should have done in the first place. It's like, yeah. you know, their own personal like decision. Well, quite. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like, this reminds me... Oh, no matter how much you disapprove of someone's actions, they're still their own. Yeah, that's a big debate. Like, have you um, seen the movie Oslo, August 11th? Uh, I don't believe I have. It's about a dude in Norway who wants to kill himself, and he's, like, talking with... Yeah. Ah, I think I saw your yeah. review of that movie. You said it was quite good. It's really good. It's a really fucking good movie. Mm. And um, in, in that movie, he's talking to one of his friends, and he's like, you once said that people have the right to destroy themselves if they want to. And he's like, yeah, but I meant, like, drugs and unhealthy food. I didn't mean... <laughs> and he I didn't mean you could just, like, yeah. cut your wrist open and jump off a building. Yeah, and he's like... Well, what's the fucking difference? And well, look, pretty much, it's it's, it's a, just a duration, basically. It's, it's a good movie. Anyway, Misty, unsurprisingly, has never tried cocaine before. She muses that she hopes it wasn't PCP, bath salts, or heroin, because then she would be dead soon. Yeah, I'm guessing Nat wouldn't be snorting any of those things. You know. I mean, how do you know? You might just get something that's mislabeled. You know. Yeah. Well, that's the risk. Anyway, she uh, she then runs out of the room. Cut to Shauna, Jeff, and Callie having a fairly miserable dinner of like just nuggets and beef, seemingly. It didn't Where's look your salad? Quite, quite. Not very. It didn't look very. Need some nutrients. A couple of vitamins here and there. My nutrients. They have escaped. Retrieve them at once. <laughs> There's a knock on the door. Shauna's all, "Oh no! What if it's my boring boy toy?" Jeff's like, "You're expecting someone?" And she nervously replies, "No." Shauna takes a big swig of wine as Jeff goes to answer the door. It almost seems like it's going to be some hilarious sitcom scene. Callie looks expectantly at her. Shauna walks to the door to discover that Ty is there. Ty is wearing really nice jeans and a coat. She's just so damn fasho. And Jeff is all like, we got a celebrity in our midst. <laughs> this is nice. And Shauna is surprised but happy to see her. And Ty is like, I was canvassing in the neighborhood. At dinner time? Such an obvious lie. You're very lucky that Jeff is rather dumb. Although, although, he probably knows this is a load of ass because he was the blackmailer. 
It kind of reminds me of that bit in Seinfeld where the telemarketer calls him up and he's just like, oh, I'm just sitting down to dinner at the moment. Do you mind if I call you back later? And he's like, uh, no. And he's like, oh, so you don't want somebody calling you when you're having dinner? Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it is just an inherently annoying profession. There's no way around it. I know, right? I tend to just respond by going like, Ah, turn off phone. <laughs> Something bad has happened to the reception. There was Goodbye. A, there was a joke in Calvin and Hobbes where somebody rings the house and Calvin's like, hello, he's like, could you put me through to your parents, please? And he's like, okay, one second, takes out a balloon and pops it. He's like, ah, I've been shot. Hangs up. <laughs> it's funny. She's like, gets, grabs like a large handful of bubble wrap. Ah, there's gunfire outside my house. Hang on. Goodbye. <laughs> Oh, can we cut to Ty and Shauna strolling through the neighborhood? I kind of wanted to see the awkward Breaking Bad-esque dinner scene that presumably existed before this, like Callie meeting Ty and thinking, is is my mom banging this lady too? <laughs> this is starting to get very confusing. I mean, it's it's a horrible thing she's doing to our family, but I have to envy her time management skills. <laughs> Ty tells Shauna that she's sleepwalking again. It's mostly stress. The campaign. This goddamn blackmail fiasco. The exhaustion and turmoil in Ty's voice is amazing. She tells Shauna that Simone and her have been having some problems. She's like, Biscuit's missing. That's her dog. Good thing she specified a confusing sentence otherwise. Yeah, I just I thought someone's broken in <laughs> and just had, had like a cup of tea and eaten all her bickies and it's just I've like... Been, I've been sleep eating all of the biscuits. It's causing real problems in my marriage. Yep. Uh, Ty says that she must have freaked out, poor Biscuit, and he ran away. Mm. And she's like, Sammy loves the shit out of that dog. Jesus Christ, I'm really fucking this kid up. Oh, Tony Cyprus is so amazing, dude. And Sean is like, no, Ty. She's like, no, Ty. And then she's like, he's seen me do it, Shauna. He thinks there's some other version of me. He calls it the bad one. Ty, like barely managing to keep it together in this scene is amazing. For the jillionth time, let me say that Tawny Cypress is a fucking gift to humanity. She's afraid to go to sleep. She says that she spent the night pounding espressos just so I can stay in control. And that's it. That's the fucking line that sums her up. She has an obsessive desire to be in control that stems from her visions of the man with no eyes and her horrific experience of being stranded in the wilderness. Her overachieving is a desire to obsessively control her circumstances. To make herself safe. To banish the boogeyman. But she never truly can, because the boogeyman is her. Do you feel like those super uh, obsessed with control are more likely to lose control? I absolutely believe that, and I think she's a perfect test case for that. It takes, like, so much willpower, right? Indeed. Like, you should just be like me. You and have just... to sustain that all yeah. the time. It's yeah. so easy to crumble, right? You should. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you spend, not to get into this, but like, that's why I don't like to have super concrete plans for my overall life, because I feel like if you spend your whole life working towards one thing and, like, either it doesn't work out or you get it and you don't like it, what the fuck do you do then? You yeah, know? and everything's, like, written down in a book. You've yeah. planned, like, a yeah. whole year and then something comes up. Exactly, you exactly. have to literally move yeah. everything around for the next year or some shit. Like, that sounds tedious. Men make plans and God laughs. Exactly, you know, for what's it all for, you know? Quite. Sorry for getting really existential and depressing on this podcast, but I feel like what you else are we for? Yeah. Anyway, Ty's like, I don't know how bad it's going to get this time, but you know how bad it can get. 
is this just a reference to her falling asleep when she was supposed to be keeping watch in the previous episode? Or is it something even worse? Did she attack Van or someone else while sleepwalking? Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Ty looks so desperate. Uh, she says, I just need some fucking sleep. Which reminds me of that meme that's like, if you could have any video game power, what would it be? And it's an image of <laughs> full uh, sleep eight hours. <laughs> and Sean was like, why don't you just stay here tonight? Callie's not here. You can sleep in her room. She's at her friend Ilana's. If my mum was inviting random dudes into our house to have sex with, I probably wouldn't want to sleep there either. Also, the fallout sleep power is only trumped by the ability to turn into bread, but not the ability to turn back. <laughs> Welcome to the bakery. All of our breads used to be a guy. <laughs> They're trapped in there now. Eat them. That, that reminds me, that super reminds me of the Dilbert... <laughs> <laughs> Dilbert comic strip where Dogbert tries to market a cardboard box as a time machine because he's like, you travel forward into the future of one hour by staying in it for an hour. <laughs> like, does it does it do anything else? It, it also helps you lose weight if you stay in it long enough without eating. That, that reminds me of the the Metalocalypse sketch where they're like, we have discovered a way to travel through time at the speed of regular time <laughs> with the use of plastic bags. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of the Magnetic Hunger Force thing. It was like, any song in the world you download it, it turns it into this song. <laughs> Man, a little of that guy goes a long way. Anyway, Sean is all like, I'll stay with you. Oh, they hug. It is very adorbs. Great friendship between them. Maybe my favorite friendship on the show. Cuts to the past. Misty, Mari, and Akila stagger back to camp. Shauna asks where Van and Ty are. Misty is out of breath. She says that they told her to leave them. Laura Lee takes charge and says, show us which way to go. There's an awesome shot of Nat looking skeptically at this development, being like, really? You're taking charge? Okay. The Yellow Jackets be searching for the lesbians. It's dark now. They then see a flare shooting up into the sky. Good thinking, Ty. They find Ty holding Van, exhausted. And a cut to, oh, fucking fuck balls this scene. Fuck this scene, dude. And I mean that in the best way because it's amazing, but also fuck this scene. <laughs> Van is on the table in the cabin. The others are surrounding her. Akila is preparing to operate on her with a fish hook she heated with a candle. Uh, Ty is comforting her, saying, Everything's going to be okay. You gotta praise her ingenuity, though. Using oh, God, yeah. Fish hook as yeah. A curved sutra. Like, that's curved. Good thinking. Good band name. You know, because they have the curved needly yeah. thing, so yeah. they can sew people's yeah. tissue together easier. That is, if it was just straight, it'd be harder to yeah, come out the other side. That's a good point. I never thought of that. Mm. That's one of the great things about having you on here, my friend. Oh, what else am I for? Anyway, the thing that really gets me is that she has to do this completely raw dogged, like no, no meds. No, she doesn't even get to be drunk. Mm. Yeah. Plus, there's like bobs and great big uh, loops at oh the end of the fishhook oh. thing. Still, you know, it's using what you got. Misty is about to give Akila advice on the proper angle. Shauna is like, I think she's got it. Akila begins sewing her up. She starts screaming. Nat is holding her down. Oh, fuck. Liv is making amazing groans of horrific pain in this scene. Shout out to Liv Houston. They are great at seeming like they're in horrific pain. And everything else, too. Shots of the others reacting. The camera focuses on Laura Lee. 
being horrified by this, which informs her later decision. The music is so oh, oppressive. Oh, so fucking good. Kia King as Aquila, also really good in this scene. She manages to look like pained and terrified, but also determined in keeping it together for the greater good. She's she's so good. Cut two. Sean and Ty in the present, hanging out on the bed in Callie's room. Shauna asks Ty if she thinks about what her life would have been like if they never crashed. She replies, sometimes. Shauna says she was going to go to Brown, was going to write amazing papers on Dorothy Parker and Virginia Woolf. Then she would meet a floppy-haired, sad-eyed poet boy, of course, who ran the school lit magazine. They were going to be sexy rivals. Until they weren't. And then Shauna's short stories would win him over. Ty is loving this. She is on the edge of her seat. Uh, fun fact, all of this was ad-libbed by Melanie Linsky. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, very, very good. Very in character. I love when Shauna is like, I'd have to leave him brokenhearted. And Ty is like, oh, no. <laughs> it's so cute. I know, I know. It's great. And then she's going to meet a dude named Francois in France. Lol, little on the nose there, Shauna. And Ty is like, please tell me Francois was some sort of brooding musician, which reminds me of the 30 Rock line, please let Harold be human. <laughs> yeah. No, Francois was a mime. Ty Have you seen Kenneth's brain pan? He can't take all that. <laughs> Wait, this is hell people milk. I've been drinking this since I was a baby. <laughs> oh, I love how he's like so averse to drinking alcohol. Yeah. And he's like, oh wait, alcohol is the thing that yeah. I've been drinking since I was 10. I love the episode where Jack is like, technically speaking, Stone Mountain Georgia never rejoined the union, so he counts as foreign labor. <laughs> They're all about those loopholes, yeah. those capitalists. Quite. Apparently, miming is a serious art form in that fair nation. I, I don't know that we've had any listens in France, but we have had some in Belgium. Hey, listen in Belgium. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> Hope you're having a good time over there. Anyway, Ty says that she was going to go to Howard, pre-law, double major history and philosophy. I'm guessing that she liked the Stoics, uh, possibly also Avicenna. Uh, she was going to date a bunch of beautiful women, make first string on the soccer team, record scratch. Pause here for a moment because this is fucking interesting. Ty played soccer again after being rescued. Fucking hell. That, I bet her opponents were pretty intimidated. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to get close to that girl. She fucking murdered and ate people. Yep. She's uh, got horrific, <laughs> horrific facial scars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I bet, yeah. That's so, like, could, you'd think that after as a consequence of your soccer team, you experienced that much trauma, you wouldn't want to touch the sport again with a 10-foot pole. But she did. It's so interesting. It's, it's a thing of like, I'm going to reclaim this. I'm going to make it mine. That's so interesting. Anyway, then she was going to go to Columbia Law, land an internship in the biggest law firm in the city. And then Shauna is like, Ty, you did all of those things. What a fucking big dog thing to say. Like, oh, you know how I was going to do all this amazing shit Oh, wait, I forgot. I actually did all of that. Oh, wait, I forgot. I'm amazing. You didn't do any of the things you wanted to do, and I did. Oh, I forgot that I'm so much better than you, and you suck. Oh, sorry. Yep, yep, just rub the salt in some more water. She didn't, she didn't mean it like that, to be clear. And she's like, but no. Ty is like, yeah. But if I'm being honest, not a single one of those things felt real. Was that because she was most at home? paradoxically in the woods like that line in bbc sherlock you're not traumatized by the war you're traumatized by its absence 
you miss it. But yeah. That was when you felt alive. That's quite a common thing, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of people in World War Two, like you know, the uh, they got to the end, and it was announced that the conflict was no longer undergoing, and they were just like, "Well, what, what do I do now?" Yeah, yeah. There was a this dude. This has been my life's purpose for several years now. I don't, I don't know what to do. There was now. a dude in, in World War Two named uh, Jack Churchill, uh, no relation, who was a soldier who liked to fight the Germans with a giant sword which is fucking awesome that's pretty and, brutal and he said uh, it's a pity the war ended we should have kept it going for at least five extra years <laughs> i could have killed a lot more people with my sword an extraordinarily insensitive thing to say but so maybe this guy was kind of a dick but hey it was so he sounds fucking amazing it was 19 yeah. somethings you know <laughs> shout out ish to jack churchill anyway <laughs> anyway Another reason why time might have felt that nothing was really real additional to that is because someone was pulling some strings to help her, maybe? Much to consider. Nat is on the phone, trying to get into Travis's bank account. She says that she is not his family, but she pretty much is. Oh, I hope the lady on the other end is the chick who wouldn't help Shauna at the hotel. She just got a new job. It's like... I'm sorry, I can't let you do that. Sort I'm of. not allowed to be helpful under my job description. Goodbye. <laughs> she voiced by David Lynch. <laughs> I mean, that's why it's so confusing. Is she's she's in the backwards forwards dialogue. I cannot help you. Could you please elucidate? No. No. <laughs> Nat breaks down and starts yelling. Can't you fucking help me? Talk to your manager. You fucking bitch! Do you believe in love? Cheese is made from milk. Yes, it is. Hope you're enjoying all our inscrutable references. Anyway, most you of know what you signed up for. You extremely know what you signed up for. What I love is that um, most of what she says wasn't even into the phone. It was just herself. <laughs> it's sad that Nat grew up to be a person who harasses customer service reps. Though these are difficult times for her. She then discovers some coke on the floor and excitedly does it. This is a real fucking low point for Nat. Well, it's not the lowest point, but it's a low point. I, hey, like I said to you, like, no chance that carpet fibers are worse than whatever yeah. they cut that shit with. Yeah, but it's still, be that as it may, if you're getting to the point where you are snorting fragments of discarded cocaine you didn't know were there in the carpet, that's probably a signal that your life is not going amazingly. Hey, it is not a sin to be thrifty. <laughs> Thrift is not a sin, Justin. I'm so glad I have you on here because I can't think of many other people that would defend that from an economic like perspective. <laughs> so good. Uh, I love you, man. Uh, anyway, happy to be here. I hope that Nat's storyline in season two is more than just her constantly death spiraling. And we'll get more into that as we go along. Misty comes home to the basement to discover dun 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 Jessica holding Caligula hostage. Oh no! And she's like, hey, Misty. So this is the deal. Either you are going to let me go right fucking now, or I'm going to wring your little boyfriend's neck. Jessica is fucking hardcore parkour. I suppose you have to be in her profession. Jumping off the walls. Quite. Clearly terrified, Misty feigns indifference and says, fine, I'll just get another one. Jessica is about to do so 
Misty screams and throws several utensils at her. Caligula flies away. I'm glad the parrot was okay. I love parrots. And this show is cruel enough to the animal kingdom. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, my baby. My poor little boy. I didn't mean a word of it. That's how I feel about my cats, man. If somebody was threatening to attack my cats, I don't even want to describe on air what I would do to them. Anyway, Misty comes down the stairs heavily breathing, zonkoed out of her mind. And when I first watched this, I was like, oh, okay, so Jessica's fucking dead. But no. As she chains Jessica to the bed, the latter, sensing an opportunity, says, you look like hell. Are you okay? And she's like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just having one of those days. You know, one of those days when your friend gets mad at you for snorting her coke and watching her have sex, so you go home and throw utensils and scream at your insane kidnap victim. Yeah. You know, one of your... Perfectly, one of those days. normal exchange. We've all been there. Oh, uh, yeah. Whereas going to the toilet in a wickerwork chair, we've all been there. Yeah, it happens every other week. <laughs> Misty says that she's going to make them some dinner, and she's, like, crying and clearly feeling grateful for Jessica's presence in some bizarre fucked up way. Kind of redundant to say so, but Christina Ricci is absolutely amazing. Uh, I just watched a movie called, well, not just, but I semi-recently watched a movie called The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover, which is a really fucking good movie and absolutely disgusting and horrifying, but really good. And the relationship between Michael Gambon's character and Helen Mirren's character in that movie kind of reminds me of Misty and Jessica. Michael Gammon, that's the guy who played Dumbledore yes, yes. in, in this uh, movie, later Harry Potter movie. In right? this movie, he plays an insane sociopathic gang leader who tortures people by covering them in his shit. Uh, lol, that sounds fairly reminiscent of the movie The Green Room with Patrick Stewart. Oh, the movie's so fucking good. Recommendation, dearest listeners. Watch both of those movies, but be warned, they're fucking horrifying. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Notice we did not give out one of those notices when we recommended people watch Bad Boy Bobby. Oh, I, I believe we did, actually. I believe, uh, yeah. I mean, I think a, I said something like you might land yourself in a mental situation. Yes, yes, like, that was enough. It's definitely worth no, it. No, that was that was enough. That was enough warning. Anyway, anyway, moving on. Cut to the past. Ty and Sean are in the attic, lying beside one another. Ty, still distraught, is like, I let the fire die down. I fell asleep. I must have been sleepwalking or something, because when I woke up, I was in a fucking tree. I'm the reason she went. I'm the reason she got hurt. Because, like, I understand why she feels that way, because on the one hand, obviously you didn't make her go, it was her choice to go, but at the same time, she only did that because she loves and cares about you so much, so it's understandable that you would feel guilt. And then Ty says that she doesn't know what's happening to her. She's scared to go to sleep. And Shora's like, then I'll stay awake. I won't let you go anywhere. Oh, so beautiful. Sorry for being really cringy, but that's so beautiful. I love... This is a pretty dark and horrifying show about people in some pretty horrific circumstances, so I think that makes me appreciate all the more the little moments of kindness and dignity and nobility that we see. Shauna uh, spoons her, which is cute when, like, the shorter person spoons the taller person. I believe that's known as jetpacking. Wow, of course that has a dedicated term. <laughs> yes. Anyway, uh, I love their friendship. Cut from teen Shauna and Ty in bed to adult Shauna and Ty in bed. Shauna is like, I'm having an affair. And Ty is so excited by this. Does she also want to have an affair? Well, <laughs> if she does, uh, well, we'll get into that at the end of the episode. Classic Thai non-judgment, you know, not judging Shauna for her infidelity like she also doesn't in the past. That is good. 
and she's like, if you say Randy Walsh, I'm going to burn this whole fucking town down. <laughs> Poor Randy. He just can't catch a break. He keeps turning up as a hypothetical example of an embarrassing sexual encounter. Uh, Shauna says that his name is Adam. He's an artist. He's really earnest in a way that kind of makes you want to punch his face. I uh, I agree with that last bit. Absolutely. She likes Adam because he makes her feel something. And Ty is like, he makes you feel it. Oh man, I remember that. It. It, well, quite. You know, it, that. It. It. The it. deep in the pit of your stomach feeling of absolute lunatic devotion. The thing. And then Sean is like, Simone doesn't make you feel it anymore. Ty's like, no. But, but you know what? It's okay. What they have is different. It's stable. It's safe. That's not what you want, Ty. And then Ty's like, it? Whatever that really means. It wasn't any good for me, you know? If somebody made me feel it, it wasn't going to be good for anybody. You know? Fucking hell. Ty and Van's relationship is going to go down in screaming, exploding flames, and I am terrified and excited for it to do so. Yeah. Camera focuses on Shauna as she says, I think I do. Her doubts over Adam begin to crystallize. Cut to her going over to his apartment, which is a nice, a nice apartment, I have to say, very concrete chic. And she brings him coffee and says that our interactions have been so hot. He interrupts, uh, insert jack-off motions here. She says, singularly focused, <laughs> that I realize I don't know anything about you. And he correctly says, I seem to recall you mocked all my efforts on that front. But yeah, sure, what do you want to know? And then Shauna says, how about you tell me more about your art school days? Adam says that Pratt was pretentious, mostly, which makes sense. It's called Pratt. Shauna asks what classes he took and who was his favorite professor. Creepy music plays. Adam immediately caves and admits that he never went to Pratt. He says he never went to Pratt, but he had a girlfriend who did. He spent so much time with her and her friends that it kind of felt like he went there. Shauna, this is a huge red flag. If he lies about this, he will lie about fucking anything. Abort. Abort mission. Apparently, he just wanted to impress her. And she's all like, where did you grow up? He replies, suburbs of Houston. High school? Melby High. Class of 04. Go Buffs. I looked this up. It's all real. Uh, any siblings? Older brother. He's a colorectal surgeon, and he has this book in his house that's just called Anus. I'm a 10-year-old, but it still makes me laugh. In fairness to Adam, I would laugh at that too. Yeah, I like that idiocracy bit where they have like an, a full feature-length movie just called Ass. That's all it is. Won 17 awards, including Best Screenplay. Exactly. People in the future aren't picky. Quite. And then Adam says, asks what this is really about. He says that he was just lying about the stupid Pratt thing, and Sean was like, it's a crazy thing to lie about. And he's like, I know, but the rest of it, that's real. Adam says he has a friend with a <clears throat> pause to sputter incredulously cabin in the woods in the Poconos or Pohonos is that pronounced as I'm not sure I think it's Poconos uh, in the Pohonos <laughs> uh, the Poconos whatever uh, he wants to go away for the weekend and promises that she can ask him anything if I were Shauna I would not go into the woods again if my life fucking depended on it let alone to a cabin and, uh, spoiler alert, Adam does actually know about Shauna's past, so why the fuck would he suggest this? And Shauna says, how do you propose I explain that to my husband? And he responds, I don't give a shit. Which, fair enough. Yeah, Adam tells her to pack a bag and get back there. Oh, she will. 
cuts of the past. Camera pans over Van, whose face has been sewn up. Oh no, my poor baby. She is sleeping and twitching a little bit. The other yellow jackets are all asleep in the living room area, which makes sense. By the way, Van's scars look amazing. Uh, 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 if Akila, you know, makes it out of here, gets rescued, she deserves to become the, like, personal surgeon for the, like, royal family of Oman, or the king of Sweden, or something. She deserves the most prestigious position possible. She is essentially a miracle worker. Laura Lee is awake, watching the birds outside, having come to a decision. She tries to yell everyone awake. This doesn't work, so she bangs a ladle on the table. Everyone begrudgingly wakes up and she's like, in light of the expedition ending as it did, I have decided that I'm going to take the dead guy's plane and fly south. I'm going to find his help and I'm going to get us out of here. Lottie incredulously says, you're going to fly? Hey, Lot, this would be a really, really good time to share more details about your vision of an explosion over the lake. Like, like, a really good time. Nat quite reasonably points out, but you don't know how. Laura Lee has been studying the flight manuals for weeks, and the gas tank is full. Bad idea. She used to watch her grandpa fly, and he even let her steer a few times. She says that, I know I can do this. Also, how is a petrol tank still full? Yeah, that's a big... Petrol degrades over time, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure even if it's in a sealed container, yeah. like, that's got a half-life of some years. I mean, uh, to quote MST3K, then repeat to yourself, it's just a show, I should really just relax. <laughs> anyway, Ty walks over to Van to check on her, and Laura Lee says, you can't... So, yes. plane, crash lands, Yes. still full tank of fuel. Seemingly. Weird. Hey. Yeah, well, very. Anyway, she's all like, you can't deny that Van needs serious medical attention. Jackie pipes up with, she's not the only one. Shauna, tell them. <laughs> And after some understandable hesitation and some eye contact from Ty being like, what the fuck? Because she knows what it's about. Sean reveals that she is pregnant. I think this is uh, both a degree of vindictiveness from Jackie, but it is also pertinent information. Like, it affects the calculus of whether Laura Lee should fly or not. And Akila is like, you were having sex? I don't know if the read on that is that Akila is just scandalized by the possibility of someone having sex, or she's just very surprised that Shauna specifically was <laughs> getting late. <laughs> Which, ouch, if it's the latter. And Misty is like, how far along are you? And she's fascinated. She runs over to Shauna. Mari is all, did you get knocked up here? Lol, she loves drama. And Jackie is like, it doesn't matter when it happened. All that matters is that we get them both help. Misty tries to, like, go over and feel Shauna's tumbo reason before she slaps her away. Do you think, Matthew, do you think Jackie revealing Shauna's pregnancy to the rest of them is a dick move? Or do you think it's understandable, given that they're talking about people needing medical attention? Well, I mean, I guess you could ask whether Jackie has historically had people's best interests at heart for the rest of the series. Pre-crash, she usually has. It's only now that she's collapsed into, into nihilism that she hasn't. And I think that, I don't know, she's being a bit petty. At the end of the day, Shauna did conceive that child with her boyfriend. She has a right to be petty. Yeah, but she doesn't like concrete no, right? Oh, she does. She, she read the diary. Mm, fair enough. Yeah, anyway, anyway. um, There's a great quote from Ella Purnell, the actress, when she talks about Jackie, where she says that 
because Jackie's whole identity pre crash was so based on like the surface and being like the image of the hot popular girl that she has nothing to fall back on behind that. It's, it's like that quote from Daria, like you keep putting this antisocial mask up to the world and eventually that mask will become your face. That can happen when you also put an extremely pro-social mask to the world. Yeah. And the other girls, they all have like more sort of like integrity and wherewithal and personal moral fiber to fall back upon. But she doesn't have that. There's just nothing underneath the mask. Uh, that's very anti-Jackie. I, I feel bad for her a lot, and I think that she... A lot of people are like that, though. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just a subset of humanity. Yeah, and I wish she had been allowed the opportunity to mature and grow past that. Anyway. Coach walks onto the scene and says, Lurley, you, you can't do this. It's not even close to safe. To which she accurately responds, There is no safe anymore, Coach Scott. It's going to be winter soon. If I don't do this, we're all going to fucking starve. Ooh. Yeah, you know when the girl whose previous experience of profanity is just cheese and rice says the F-bomb, you know shit's getting real. I called some lady cunt in my head and then I blew up. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but she has a 100% track record of being involved in plane crashes immediately after swearing. Like, it's true. I hate to side with that particular hyper-puritanical ideology, but they are batting a thousand, technically speaking. Yeah, maybe if she was just never rude, she would have been fine. I, I technically, we cannot disprove that hypothesis. Anyway, Coach is like, alright, well, I'm still the only adult here, so no, I'm not gonna let you do it. Laura Lee steps forward. After a beat, she says, what are you gonna do to stop me, Coach? Everyone looks to see what he is, in fact, going to do. I absolutely love the shot of everybody's, like, well, fucking come on, expressions. You're just going to take that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Travis in particular is looking at him with, like, a sort of dude-ish, sizing someone up expression. And it transpires that nothing. Because what can he do? Like, if he was to try to, like, physically restrain her, all she would need to do is, like, kick him in his leg stump and that would hurt like absolute fucking shit and he wouldn't be able to do anything. Well, he is working with a bit of a deficit. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And like, he could try to like ask one of the other girls to intercede on his behalf, but would any of them do it? I don't really think so. I think Nat, the closest one with him, like would maybe do it. And like, Ty, if Van hadn't gotten injured and this conversation was happening otherwise identically, she might have tried to stop Laura Lee because she was the one in the previous episode when she was looking at the flight manuals saying that she shouldn't do that. But now that there's even the faintest possibility that somebody could save her girlfriend's life, she no longer thinks it's a ridiculous plan, which is on some level kind of silly, but on another level very understandable and human. And they're all still, like, in the same boat. It's yeah. almost working on, like, pure authority. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's not like he even has that much, like, no, no. over the rest of it. He, he doesn't. The, well, exactly. In that moment, whatever authority Ben still had left over these girls was obliterated forever. Yeah, the, like, group mentality is, like, uh, way more important at the moment. Majority rules. Mm. Fucking great scene. I love the idea that Laura Lee's action here the defiance and delegitimization of the last vestiges of adult authority will lead to events that would shock and horrify her. Like, 
she starts the ball rolling that will lead to people sacrificing and eating each other. And she would hate that. Like, she, she would hate to think that she started that. But whether or not she meant to, she did. Mm-hmm. Also, I know we've made this point before, but fucking Ben, man, he is... Ugh, you couldn't fucking pay me all the money in the fucking world to be in that guy's position. I, I would check out. But I, I, I'm not fucking too proud to say that I would fucking check out of this experience and just be like, okay, I'm walking off into the fucking woods to get eaten by something. You guys can fucking sort your own yeah, shit out. Yeah, I'm gonna go walk, like, you know, into the river until I drown. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Skylar White style. Uh, cut to present day. Nat is walking into a Narcotics Anonymous meeting. For half a second, I thought she was about to pull a Marla from Fight Club. It would be funny if it's like, so she like, Breaks up with Kevin, she's like, okay, I have to meet and start fucking Edward Norton. That'd be super good. A middle-aged, sharply dressed lady named Suze is filling her handbag with complimentary biscuits, which, fucking legend. It's like the, the diary of it where Miss Lee is like, Mr. Martino, stuffing your car boot with leftover bun cake, how could you? Yeah, or like that comedian who's like, you know, the person dragging the mattress down the hallway, like, it's complimentary! <laughs> <laughs> Nat approaches Suze. She reacts with horror, saying, Oh, Jesus Christ, not you. And Nat says, Come on, I, I promise I won't assault you again. Cut to them congregating at a cafe. Nat mentions that Suze got a promotion at the bank. She protests that she hasn't seen Nat in ten years and wonders what this is about. Apparently, she was Nat's best sponsor, which... Because of information we will learn very soon, I have to imagine that her other sponsors were really fucking bad. There's <laughs> like, I have something I need to talk to you about, and nobody understands things like you. Nat tells her about Travis and the police ruling his death suicide. But she says that she knows it wasn't. Because he made me a promise. And when I was on the brink, he made me swear that I would never do that. And then he promised me the same. Apparently, Travis always kept his word. Suze says, for once I think you're actually telling me the truth. Nat asks her to find out who broke into Travis's bank account. She refuses, saying that she cannot give out personal account information. Nat anticipated this and said, I guess I'm going to have to call the bank then and tell them how you and I used to feed our habits by selling our customers' personal information to ID thieves. I think they'd be really interested to know that. Oh, I don't know. They could just be really impressed by your personal growth. In response, Suze growls, I wish I'd never fucking met you. Yeah. The Yellow Jackets collectively have been the worst thing to happen to a great many people. I, I think this is, this is a reminder that Natalie has also done some pretty awful shit. Like, I think she is a better person than the other three. I just think it's a difference of degree, not of kind. Mm. Anyway. Strange, otherworldly chanting music is playing as the past yellow jackets clean all the tree gunk off the dead guy's plane and chop down the other foliage to clear a runway. Jackie is actually helping this time, which, good, you know, good for her. Uh, because the possibility of a rescue has re-emerged, she's willing to get off her posterior. Shauna says, Did you really have to tell everyone? Amazing, faux, sanctimonious, hand-on-heart gesture from Jackie as she says, How could I not? Shauna. We have the chance to get you and the baby out of here. That's all that matters. 
it's not really the time to be keeping secrets. Uh, uh, you know, like the, uh, uh, yeah. She's being pass ag, but I would argue she does have a right to be. Shauna aggressively pulls a shrub out of the ground, channeling her anger into said action. The music intensifies. Ty returns home to discover Simone and Sammy making lost dog posters. Oh, they look happy until they see Ty. Simone looks at her wife measuredly. Ty is talking to Simone in private, and she's like, after the crash, when we were stuck out there, I started sleepwalking. A symptom of the trauma, I guess. Ever the rationalist. Even when you eat dirt. Once we were rescued, it just stopped. But with the stress of the campaign and everything that's been going on, it started happening again. Tawny Cypress makes this scene her bitch. She is a fucking legend. I hope she also gets an Emmy nom for a later season. And then Ty says that the sleepwalking is really fucking scary for her. Because the last time I... And she trails off. What happened? What happened last time? Oh, I have my theory. And they're all horrifying. She says that I think I may have been the one to let Biscuit out of the house. Ooh, let the Biscuit out. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, she did. Anyway. Wow. What a reference you've just made. Yeah. It's a quite unpleasant song, if you really know what the lyrics mean. It's very cruel. Anyway, Simone, who is an absolute legend, hugs her and is like, it's okay, baby. Ty sobs. Simone is like, we'll get you help, whatever you need, okay? We can get you a sleep study. Ty tells her that what she needs is that Sammy must go and stay at Simone's mom's house now. And Simone is like, Ty, we're a family. We're not going to leave you. We're going to support you. And then she just screams at her, you can't be here. I don't think I'm making myself clear. You don't understand. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt you. That line makes me even more concerned for the future of her relationship with Van. I'm just going to say it. I think Tawny is the best actor on the show. To be clear, they're all fucking amazing, but I think she is the best out of a fucking amazing group. The raw passion she brings to the character is absolutely unmatched. Simone gets up and leaves. This is, I don't know about you, but like, this is me and my partner was like telling me to leave because they were sleepwalking and going insane. I'd be like, okay, I will put our child in safekeeping, but I am not fucking leaving you no matter what you say or what you tell me. We're, we're in this together, you know? I don't care if there's a risk that you hurt me. I'm going to take that risk because I love you. I'm never fucking abandoning you. That's co-parenting, right? <laughs> Quite. Or codependency, some might say. Let's not get into that. Anyway. Arcade, no low dose. Cut to Shauna, chilling in her room in the present, skeptically regarding the yellow dress. It's not really her color. The dress is sort of a metaphor for her relationship with Jeff, where it's like, well, I... I feel like I should like this thing, and I appreciate the gesture, but it's just not working for me in practice. We've all been there. Anyway, dodgy music starts playing as she discovers glitter in the wardrobe space. Is there also glitter on the mattress? Glitter on the highway? Well, get a, <laughs> a slightly patronizing flashback to Ty saying, we looked for an asshole covered in glitter. Like, show, we remember that. We were there. You don't need to flash back. I don't know. Shauna opens her safe to discover nothing inside. Dun, dun, dun. She hyperventilates. It cuts to her hammering on Adam's door, yelling, Who the fuck are you? And he has a creepy expression in response. And now, for the final scene of this episode. A scene which absolutely fucking destroys me. The others are standing around the plane as Laura Lee is preparing to pilot it. The, the music is playing. It's like, ah. Various ethereal type noises. Great, great word. Ethereal. Yeah, ethereal. Yeah, I would definitely use that one at work. Anyway, uh, the others are standing around the plane as Laura Lee walks up to it, preparing to pilot it. The whole time you're watching this, you're thinking, 
Well, they didn't get rescued for like 16 more months, so I know this isn't going to work, but I really want it to work. Like, a sick feeling of anticipation and dread roils within you throughout this whole scene. Everyone, minus Van, obviously, and Ty, is there. I can understand why she didn't want to leave her side. Travis gives her a nice shoulder pat. Everyone else hugs her. Jackie is like, be safe, okay? Well, that's the idea. Cute group hug. Lorelei and Lottie also hug. It's very cute. Everybody just clearly really cares about her a lot and is absolutely putting all of their eggs in her basket. Frozing? Coach walks up to the window. He makes one last attempt to convince her. For God's sake, Lorelei, please don't do this. Coach is a really good dude. She says, thanks for worrying about me, Coach. But this is my purpose. I, I believe we've talked about this before with Laura Lee, but a belief that your actions are divinely ordained can lead you to some pretty dark places. She puts Leonard in the co-pilot seat and says, just you and me now, Leonard. The plane starts ambling forward. The Yellow Jackets cheer. As we pointed out before, this wouldn't happen because the fuel degrades, but whatever. By the way, what's-his-face, the co-pilot, reminds me Leonard. of uh, the inflatable autopilot. <laughs> in airplane. In airplane. <laughs> Movie which was called Flying High here and in New Zealand. So great. Picked the wrong wig to give up sniff and glue. <laughs> it was there I developed my drinking problem. Ever <laughs> been in a Turkish prison? <laughs> God, that's a good movie. Ah. Oh. That's on. It has an airplane uh, that is on brand enough for us to cover. We yep, can cover it on the podcast. That's yep, a straight trip. Okay. Uh, Laura Lee is like, we need to get to fifty-five, or we can take off. Kind of like Back to the Future. I like that she's allowed to watch Back to the Future. That's nice. <laughs> At least she got to experience that before. Well, uh, Travis looks blowing in, up. Travis looks incredulous. Everyone else looks overjoyed. Lottie looks troubled, as if she's rapidly putting two and two together about something that she really should have mentioned before now. I don't know. It's it's easy for me to Monday morning quarterback. The plane takes the fuck off. Lorelei is like, oh my gosh, Leonard, we're flying. The Yellow Jackets excitedly run towards the lake's edge as Lorelei soars over it. Cheering all the while. Yeah, the cruelest line of an already fairly cruel episode is, oh my god, we're really going to save them. Leonard then catches the fuck on fire, which you could argue it's a supernatural thing, or you could say maybe there was oil underneath the seat or something, I don't know. Yeah, but even if there was oil beneath the seat, like, how did it catch on fire? But but, uh, A a spark? Yeah, but where's the spark coming from? I'm rapidly realising that I don't know enough about the various ways in which a teddy bear could combust to make any kind of authoritative statement. Let's just say this plant <clears throat> let's just say this plane has been crashed for like 20 years yeah. firing shit yeah. sparks there yeah. you go yeah no yeah problem solved my, my point is that as with almost everything in the show there's a way you can make it make sense in your mind purely with logic but there's also a way you could do a supernatural explanation yeah like on the X-Files. even with a perfectly like reasonable explanation it's still weird that for yeah. some reason the teddy bear catches fire first it is undeniably weird and very like that's fucking weird dude very mean-spirited laurelee starts coughing and i was yelling at my screen jump out the window you might die but you'll have a better chance of surviving if you stay put or just like nosedive the plane into the water and then swim out because that will put out the fire like again 
neither of those are a great fucking plan. You could still definitely die, but you'll have a better chance of surviving than if you just stay put. And again, again, it's easy for me to... That's a, that's a thing. There's a common theme of people who watch horror movies and things like that being like, oh, you shouldn't have gone in there. You shouldn't have run upstairs. But yeah, like, don't do that yeah, thing. But yeah. it's like, what what is this movie like if they don't do that That, thing? and also... It's easy for me sitting on my nice, comfortable couch to judge the decisions of others. But if I was placed in such a difficult situation, yeah, I would, not, I would probably also make stupid decisions. Yeah, you don't have all that adrenaline uh, clouding your thinking. Indeed, indeed. Oh, this reminds me of uh, this other podcast where this dude was saying some guy played a prank on him to like jump through his basement window and scare the shit out of him, and then the guy literally blacked out. He was so scared. He's like. It's nice to know that my brain has decided that there is no point in me even trying to put up a fight. <laughs> yeah, you might uh, as well uh, just lie down and be killed. Our general plan is to immediately give up in the face of the slightest danger. Yep. Anyway, Jackie is all like, on the shore, everybody else is cheering, is like, is that smoke? Lorelei grabs her cross, which, oh, and the plane explodes. Silence. As the music plays Lottie starts crying in the lake area everyone very sad everyone very sad everyone very sad everybody's like crying and holding each other weeping and hot okay this is like I'm probably going to hell for finding this funny but Harvey does a little like damn it hand gesture <laughs> but it seems to me very inappropriate <laughs> like that's what you do if like the race horse that you bet on loses none of your friend dies you're really like oh damn god damn if only <sighs> that plane hadn't exploded we would have been sweet i feel like that's actually like probably would do something stupid like that in that situation that's actually a good a good choice by uh luciano Leru. travis comforts jackie which interesting lottie screams in the water and the episode ends we have our official first post-crash death. R.I.P. Laura Lee. I'm glad she is, you know, in heaven with Jesus now. The way hope. Yeah. Sorry to reference this. In the Family Guy episode where they're all British, where it's like, oh, the pig and fox and trolleys for tosses, Lois. The, the, because they're all British, Stewie is really American, and they accidentally kill the queen. He's like, I bet she's in heaven with baby Jesus now. <laughs> it's extremely... I. I hate to say it, but I found that episode funny as fuck. <laughs> Family Guy's got a few uh, a few hits amongst the Indeed. field of misses. Oh, God. It's, it's, other episodes are, like, horrifically unentertaining. <laughs> I, I do love how this episode is like, oh, you thought that just because we didn't kill off Van, we won't kill off main characters, huh? Nope. How? I about this. How fucked would it be if the plane didn't explode, she was seemingly fine and flew off, but just nobody ever saw her again. <laughs> Lol. That would be like so... Like, nobody came to rescue yeah, them. Yeah, and, like, nobody in civilization found her, so it was like, where the fuck did she go? So they never heard yeah, yeah. anything. That would... I mean, I get why they didn't do that. It's less, less cinematic, but that's almost more terrifying. Anyway, they might do but that. But you could just, like, decide that she just blew up somewhere further down Well, yeah, the line, yeah. Right? I mean, that that's probably what people would say, but the point is that you don't know. It's like that thing of, like, when you were a person in the past and your husband or whatever went on a boat and he just never came back, you would have literally no way of finding out what happened to him. It's like, did he die? Did he abandon me? What the fuck? You're just waiting there every day for him to come back, even yeah. though you're just like, yeah, it's been like 14 years. He's probably yeah. not coming. There's a character like that in A Song of Ice and Fire. Anyway, 
that episode over. Great, great, great fucking episode. In the final two episode, things get even more fucking insane, and I cannot wait to get into them with you, Matthew. Mm-hmm. So we are almost done. We're we just got to do our season two predictions, <laughs> yeah. do we? Well, not not predictions, but I have to talk about a couple of news updates that are relevant. These were given by the creators, so they probably couldn't be not like a super spoiler, but people, some people don't want to hear them. So I'm just going to have a one ending of the episode for those people and say, goodbye, spoiler phobes. Great to see you. Everybody else can stay, but you guys uh, depart. You've been warned. You shall not be warned again. Bye, guys. Good luck being cool next time. <laughs> I don't think it's okay. Bye. <laughs> Hang on. It's just us? Okay, it's just us. So, so, news has come out. Adult actors for Adult Van and Lottie have been cast for season two. Aha, so different people be playing them. Yes, well, we know they survived. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Nope, with you, with you. <laughs> the same people will be playing them in the past. Yep. Thank God. But they'll have new... They have adult uh, counterparts. Future or present yes. actors because they yes. weren't announced to have survived. But now we know they have. We know that Van survives and Lottie survives. We okay. already kind of knew Lottie. Uh, the actress... Yeah, so I'm overjoyed by this because I fucking love Van. Oh, of course you do. And I can't wait to see that. This implies that, oh. Uh, the fact that Van is alive makes it even fucking bleaker for Murray and Aquila and Coach Ben and Harvey. I'm pretty sure they're all going to fucking die. Because <laughs> oh, almost all of the slots are taken up. And I also think that Van's still being alive and potentially... Oh, can you imagine adult Van and Ty interacting and having weird personal drama in the present? you imagine Lottie and... Oh, it's going to be so good. Oh, I cannot fucking wait. Anyway, uh, adult Lottie is going to be played by Simone Kessel who I haven't seen much of her, but she's in the new Star Wars Obi-Wan show, so that's good. She was also in the great and sadly cancelled before its time Terra Nova. Great fucking show that was filmed at my university. Fun fact. Very much things, I think, that are outside of my uh, yes. field of but, but Van, adult Van, is going to be played by Lauren Ambrose, who is the main actress in Psycho Beach Party, which you just watched. Aha! Uh -huh. So yeah, that awesome redhead chick is going to be playing Van. She is also... Plays the character of Claire on the show Six Feet Under, which I don't think you've seen. Uh, no, but my parental unit has. Seen. I have. I have recently started watching it. It is a really fucking good show. I think you would like it. It is extremely dark, humoured, and weird and inappropriate. It's good. And she, uh, Lauren Ambrose, plays a uh, alternate druggy teenage girl. So you would like that. Oh, yeah. And she's also in this show called uh, Servant, where she plays a chick whose baby dies, and she's given a baby replacement doll as part of therapy but then comes to earnestly believe that it is alive so everyone in her house starts humoring her about it so yeah and so you said that uh she would play lottie right no adult van ah because okay. she's redheaded i thought it'd be uh more amusing if she played lottie because then there'd be more room for her to play up the whole alternate personality thing again well, and bowman and so on well in Psycho Beach Party, she plays a character who is menaced by someone with multiple personalities. So uh -huh. Maybe that will be happening again. <laughs> Super fucking excited for Modern Van. Lauren Ambrose is a fucking amazing actress. Uh, Simone Castle, I haven't seen as much of her stuff, but I'm sure she's great too. Uh, super excited for both of those guys surviving. Can't wait to see them interacting with the main characters. It makes me even more hyped for season two, which is starting filming very soon. And yeah, that's about it.
Uh, I presume you have nothing more to say, my friend? Oh, wouldn't it be amusing if uh, just to break the friend I did? But yeah, no, no. I, mean, uh, I said I would stop doing that. Sorry, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> and that is all for this episode. Not uh, out of the woods yet. Yeah, See you later. Just edit that out. <laughs> That's all. Listeners, be well. And remember, we're not out of the woods yet.